Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Mean O' Lion Media presents Pregnancy Pearls. Meet Dr. Nicole Plenty, a double board certified OBGYN and high risk pregnancy expert. She's brilliant, well researched, and feisty. Growing tired of seeing complications of pregnancy that could have been prevented, she wanted a way to empower women through knowledge because, as she says, all doctors aren't created equal. This quest to educate women birthed this podcast, Pregnancy Pearls, with Dr. Plenty. Thanks for listening to Pregnancy Pearls Podcast with me, Dr. Plenty. If you're new, we are already rolling into season two. I can't believe we're already a few episodes in. So if you haven't already, go back and listen to season one. Don't skip over it. That was really good content I put together there. So make sure to download and listen. So the last episode we talked about getting ready for pregnancy and all that that entails to get prepared. Well, one thing that you have to address if you have endometriosis is your endometrial lining. So how is your endometrial lining? So today we'll talk about endometriosis and how that leads to uh, pregnancy or infertility in some cases. Endometriosis is defined as the presence of endometrial-like tissue or glands outside of the uterus, okay? So usually with endometrial with endometrial lining, you're, that's the lining of the inside of your uterus. That is the tissue that you shed every single month to have a cycle. So when you have that endometrial tissue on the outside of the uterus or invading through the layers of the uterus as opposed to just the inside lining, that is endometriosis. That induces a chronic inflammatory reaction. You can cause scar tissue and adhesions are these little connective, like little strands in the pelvis that distort the pelvic anatomy. When endometriosis is an inflammation is around the tubes, it can cause scarring of the tubes. It can even block the tubes. Six to 8% of women have endometriosis. But about 25 to 50% of infertile women have endometriosis and 30 to 50% of women with endometriosis are infertile. If you have any of these symptoms, you might have endometriosis. So dysmenorrhea or what's called painful periods, more than just a little bit of cramping, chronic pelvic pain. So if you're always in pain in the pelvis, then that's a big clue to endometriosis. Pain with sex or what we physicians call dyspareunia, okay, or meaning pain with deep penetration, severe pain with your menstrual cycles, irregular flow during your period. So you have a little bit of spotting with this period, you have heavy bleeding on day five, and then you have a little bit of uh, spotting again. That is an irregular flow with your periods abnormal or irregular timing of your periods. So if you're not having menstrual cycles at least every two, every 32 days in frequency, then that is called an abnormal timing of your periods. Spotting between periods, it's also a big sign that there's endometrial implants somewhere else. 
um, because when you ovulate, you have a big hormone surge, so you can have some spotting there with endometriosis if that uh, endometrial tissue is inflamed. Blood in your stool, blood in your urine, painful urination, all of these are symptoms of endometriosis. I must also note that about 20 to 30% of women are asymptomatic with endometriosis, meaning they have endometriosis and they don't even know they have endometriosis. Some people find out about endometriosis when they're getting their infertility workups done. So how does endometriosis cause infertility? If you have severe endometriosis, it can literally block the tubes, right? That scar tissue uh, is can basically mangle the tubes and stop the egg from moving down the fallopian tubes. Endometriosis can cause a ton of adhesions around the tubes, the bowel, or wherever it in, implants. And that can really distort the pelvis and the pelvic anatomy. In other words, it makes the pelvis look very, very different. And when we're operating, when we're looking at endometriosis, we're, we, we can sometimes say, oh, this person has a concrete pelvis, meaning there's so much scar tissue in the pelvis that the tubes are adherent to the floor of the pelvis or the, the, the bladder is adherent or the uterus itself is adherent. We call that a concrete pelvis. So this distortion can impair the release of eggs and can impair the release of timely the timely release of eggs, which means that you're not really ovulating on time. However, if you have mild endometriosis, we have no idea why you're infertile, right? If you don't have endometriosis so bad that it's causing scarring and inflammation and things like that around the tubes, we really don't know why if you just have a couple of implants. So there are several mechanisms that have been proposed to explain the association between endometriosis and infertility. So these mechanisms include an endocrine and ovulatory abnormality, um, altered peritoneal function, which basically means that because you have these implants in your pelvis, you have way more hormone than you would normally have. And so your body is trying to have a signal to get rid of this endometrial implant that you can't shed and it just can't get rid of it, okay? So it alters your signals and they are, therefore can also alter um, the signal for you to ovulate normally. That is the theory behind why you can have very mild disease and still have problems with fertility. Endometriosis can be extremely hard to treat. And if you have endometriosis, you know that you probably tried a conglomerate of treatments and you're probably still going through them. And that's because it's really hard to treat chronic anything, chronic any disease is hard to treat. And it's a lifelong uh, cycle that you have to deal with until at least you're no longer ovulating in your menopausal and you can get your ovaries removed. So the endometrial tissue is signaled to grow due to the hormones in your cycle that happens every single month, okay? So that's why it's a chronic and that's why it's ongoing. Um, so we have to say, how do we stop the growth? We stop the growth by stopping the cycle. But if you have periods and you wanna have kids, there's no way to definitively get rid of endometriosis at this point. So the treatment is will really depend on your age, your desire to have kids, the pain control that we have to give you, and management of your ovulatory cycle, whether or not you wanna have kids and we need to manage your ovulatory cycle, or whether or not we, uh, you don't wanna have kids. And this is done through a combination of medical treatment and surgical management. Medical management includes suppressing the hormones, okay? Suppressing the hormones. And so that's a quick fix for pain. 
but it's not a quick fix to get you pregnant because if we're trying to get you pregnant, it's a fine line because we need to suppress the endometrial growth, which means we need to suppress your hormones that would normally cause you to ovulate. But then we remove those hormones and then give you hormones to ovulate. So it's like suppressing the tissue so much that it'll take time to grow back. So we try to get you to ovulate sort of faster. Okay. We suppress it quickly and then make you ovulate normally, which we know will make the tissue grow back. So first to even figure out if you have endometriosis or not, you'd be offered a diagnostic laparoscopy, which is when we insert a can camera, as well as a few arm ports into the abdomen, we insufflate or inject gas into the abdomen to try blow up your abdomen like a balloon. And then we look around to see if there's any evidence of endometrial implants. And the stuff that we're looking for, the endometriomas, which are tumors of just big wads of endometrial tissue that look like chocolate cysts, what we call them. Because if we lance them, we're going to get all this old blood coming out of this tumor, okay? Because it's just blood that's accumulated because the endometrial tissue is trying to slough out and it can't get out of this contained cyst. So we call it a chocolate cyst, which is just super old blood and endometrial tissue. The presence of scar tissue or adhesions around your tubes or ovaries, and we can see them. They look like little fibers that are around your tubes. Um, and we can basically uh, excise those, that scar tissue. You have endometriosis, it's chronic inflammation. So that means that that scar tissue can come back after we free your tubes. So if, you, if you're not trying to get pregnant right then, then you might have to have another diagnostic laparoscopy to look around to see if you have any more scarring if you have problems getting pregnant. And we're also looking for evidence of endometrial tissue around your organs, your bowel, your bladder, your liver, etc., to tell us how severe your endometriosis really is. And if the endometrial tissue is observed during the, that uh, diagnostic laparoscopy, then the implants will be excised or ablated. When we say ablated, we just mean we're burning it. When we say excised, we mean we're actually cutting it out. So the surgical removal of endometriotic implants uh, in mild to moderate disease has been shown to improve fertility, okay? That's two randomized control trials that says, if we see them, even if they're small, if they're visible, then we should excise them. Now, if they're invisible, because you can have these little bitty, bitty, tiny specks that we call in, 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 um, invisible implants, then we should ablate those if we can't excise those. Otherwise, we'd be cutting out everything in your pelvis. So the little specks are a little are usually ablated. If we see actual implants, then we're going to excise this. If the endometriosis are, uh, endometriomas are greater than five centimeters, then your physician will discuss removing those, okay? That would probably mean removing an ovary if you have endometrioma that encapsulates the whole ovary, okay? Which is why it's a really big decision to remove these endometriomas because that means that you have to go through IVF and you have to have hormones replaced to prevent things like osteoporosis. When you don't have enough estrogen, then your bone gets thin, okay? And that can also lead to heart disease and things like that. So if you have bilateral endometriomas that encapsulate the ovaries, then your physician will talk to you about excising that endometrioma and leaving some normal tissue or possibility of having to remove both ovaries and replacing um, replacing you with hormones to prevent those other chronic diseases I just mentioned. 
I feel like we definitely are going to have a part two to endometriosis, probably endometriosis and infertility specifically. But for now, we know a little bit more about general endometriosis. Let's go to some cases from our medical intern. Our first case is a 31-year-old who has been trying to conceive now for three years with her husband. She has had an extensive lab workup in the past and was found to have normal ovarian reserve and normal hormone levels for her age. Her husband had a sperm evaluation as well, which was also normal. She was recently told that she has endometriosis and doesn't know what to do. She has always had debilitating menstrual cycles treated with birth control pills. Now that she is off birth control pills, her cycles feel manageable. She was told that her tubes were enlarged during a recent workup and told she needed a removal of an endometrioma and her tubes. She doesn't want to do this because she wants to have a baby naturally. She presents for a preconception consult and advice. Okay, so a lot of people hesitate about getting the tubes removed, right? And with good reason, because that means that if you get your tubes removed, that means you are not going to have a baby naturally. It means you have to go through IVF. And so people are always like, oh my God, I don't want my tubes removed. I don't want my, my tubes removed. But if you have endometriosis and that has caused a hydrosalpinx or fluid to build up in the tubes or dilated tubes, then data shows that it is better for you to remove your tubes to increase your chances of a successful IVF pregnancy. Now, can you get pregnant with um, hydrosalpinx? Yeah, you can, but it dramatically decreases your fertility rate. And so, yeah, you should think about getting your tube removed. This is the right thing to do. And if somebody's talking about getting your tube removed and you having endometriomas, that means that they probably have already referred you to a reproductive endocrinologist and infertility specialist, aka an REI doctor. Okay. If they haven't, they will, because then you'll need IVF once they remove your tubes. Um, I would say that I would definitely talk to an REI doctor before doing this. But if this is the case, one, endometriomas, you're going to have chronic pain and you're going to have painful cycles. Again, if you don't get them removed, the fact that you had birth control pills and that worked for your endometriosis is amazing. To me, that means you have a really high pain tolerance because most people, if you have endometriomas, are having extremely debilitating pelvic pain. Now, like I said before, we do put you on medicines to try to suppress your hormones to suppress ovulation, which birth control pills are a great first line for people that have endometriosis because it can make things manageable. It makes your hormone levels lower and manageable. So you're not having as much pain. But most people with severe endometriosis are have pain despite birth control pills and need to be on something called like GNRH agonist or antagonist. That is basically going to block or, or regulate your surges of hormones you need for ovulation. Okay. And so we need to give you medicines that either promote or block those things to regulate your surges of hormones that you have right before you ovulate. So now that your, your periods are manageable because you were on birth control for a lot of years, once you're off of them, most people say, well, I've still have manageable cycles, which with just birth control pills, that's the thing for you. I'm surprised, but 
I'm glad that that's working. But eventually, once your hormone level gets back to normal, you may not feel the same way. So I would behoove you to get this taken care of quickly. Okay, go ahead and get your surgery, get your endometriomas removed now and get your hydrosalpinxis removed. Because if you're trying to do this naturally with bilateral hydrosalpinxis as, as well as endometriomas, you may not, you may be looking up and 10 years later, you're still not having a baby. So if you want to be aggressive in having a baby, this is the recommendation. And I agree with the recommendation. I think that you should go ahead and at least get the endometriomas removed and talk to an REI doctor about the bilateral hydrocelpinxis because I understand that's a big step and you want to make sure you're talking to a reproductive endocrinologist about IVF and the cost of IVF and everything involved in IVF before you take away any chance you have for a natural cycle. But my advice is that I agree with this recommendation that you need to have the tubes as well as the endometriomas removed, especially if the endometriomas are larger in size. The case pearl for this case is bilateral hydrocelpinx can happen with endometriosis. Removal of your tubes can improve fertility chances with IVF. All right, medical intern. What's our second case? Our second case is a 22-year-old who has had painful menstrual periods for the past six and a half years. She started her menstrual cycle at the age of 12 and initially had very normal menstrual cycles with only minimal cramping. She would take Motrin and this would greatly improve her menstrual cramping. However, as she's gotten older, she started having painful periods. Now her periods are so painful that she has to skip work. She even took a semester off this year just to see if she could get help with the pain. She has cycles every month. She presents asking if she could possibly have endometriosis. Oh yeah, you possibly could have endometriosis. Not only could you possibly have endometriosis, clinically, you have endometriosis until proven otherwise, okay? So there are different stages of endometriosis. And I know that um, people think every endometriosis acts the same. Everybody has to have chronic pelvic pain. Everybody has to not function. Um, that's not the case, okay? Some people, like I said before, 20 to 30% of people don't even know they have endometriosis. But so if you have just painful cycles and a regular period, you can still have endometriosis. You don't have to have every single thing on that list to qualify. So there are different classifications for endometriosis. And the classification I like to use is from the Endometriosis Foundation, okay? Um, because they're the endometriosis people. Now, there is the American Society for Reproductive Medicine. They have a different staging. And that's what I actually learned in residency, right? The American Society for Reproductive Medicine. But it is not as specific. So we'll go through the categories of endometriosis based on severity. So one is very mild and then category five is very, very, very severe. Okay. So when we talk about category one, that means that you just have a little bit, little bitty endometriotic implants. And this is the most minimal form of endometriosis in which the membrane lines the abdomen has little endometrial tissue. Okay. So when we go in with the camera, we just see these little like dark dots, almost like somebody took a pen and just put little pin dots beep, 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 on a paper. Category two is when you have endometrioma. So remember I said chocolate cyst 
Yeah, we actually use that. I didn't make that up. We use that term, chocolate cyst. And that's endometriosis that has already established within the ovaries. Okay, so these forms of ovarian cysts are very concerning and their risk of breaking and spreading endometriosis within the pelvic cavity is super high. And so you have basically a bundle of endometrial tissue around the ovary that is trying to slough every time you ovulate. And so that old blood, like I said, builds up. Now, what happens when that bursts, right? Then you got blood in the abdomen as well as endometrial tissue. Okay, so that's why when we say if your if, if your endometriomas are a certain size, and namely four centimeters, you gotta have them removed because if they break open, it can spread endometriosis in your whole pelvis. That's really gonna lead to pelvic pain. That can really lead to inflammation and scarring of your abdomen. Okay. Then when we get to category three, this is our deep infiltrating endometriosis so this is the first form that involves the other organs within the pelvis and that can be the ovaries the rectum the uterus and it can distort everything in the pelvis so when we say hey i mean her pelvis was distorted we're talking about category three there mm -hmm. and so when you have endometriomas from category two that break open and spread endometrial tissue that's what we're talking about. The endometrial implants can spread and bed into those other organs. And then you have category four, which is deep infiltrating endometriosis. And this is the more extreme form of endometriosis that involves organs both within and outside the pelvic cavity to include the bowel, the appendix, the diaphragm, the heart, the lungs, okay? So this endometrial tissue has migrated into other things in the outside of the pelvis. And I know people are like, oh, well, if it's on the bowel, that means it's in the pelvis. Um, not necessarily, right? You got the rectum in the pelvis, okay? But the rest of your bowel is like in the abdomen. <laughs> okay, so if it's in the on the bowel, then realistically, that is deep infiltrating or category four. These are our people that have like a concrete pelvis, okay? Concrete pelvis and they have endometrial implants is super hard to control this because we like to treat as OBGYNs and some of our reproductive endocrinologists also treat this. We like to treat it when it's category one and two. Okay. When we can ablate those little endometrial implants and when we can remove the chocolate cysts. Okay. Once we get to category three, we can still treat that, but when it gets on the rectum, it's really, really hard. When it's invading the ovaries, it's hard to not remove your ovaries. And deep infiltrating is like hormonally treated. It's a, it's a combination of medical and hormonal treatment. The infertility rate is very high with this because you have chronic inflammation. And you can even have scarring if you have endometrial implants in your lungs as well, okay? You can have heart disease because of endometriosis. Okay, so that's why it is very important to treat these things because it can lead to other medical conditions that you would think, I'm young and I'm healthy and I don't have anything but endometriosis. Well, if you have stage four endometriosis or category four endometriosis, that's a that's a big deal. That's a big deal. That means you have implants other places. And imagine how you feel when it's time for that that those implants to slough and they're on your heart. Feel like you're having a heart attack, right? 
So it's really important for us to do a thorough, re, uh, thorough um, evaluation of you to figure out what's actually going on um, to treat you and, and be aggressive with the treatment. So the case pearl here is with chronic pelvic pain, a diagnostic laparoscopy should be considered and honestly is recommended so that we can stage your endometriosis. All right, medical intern, do we have any questions? Yes. This question says, Dr. Plenty, I had endometriosis and had IVF to conceive. Will endometriosis itself affect my pregnancy? Yes and no, right? So endometriosis itself won't cause you to have pain in pregnancy because usually, now if you have chronic pelvic pain, some people will have pain through the pregnancy just because you have chronic pelvic pain and you're used to treating that pain being treated. And so then you have heightened receptors, pain receptors. That's a completely different situation. But usually people with endometriosis feel better in pregnancy, right? Because you're not ovulating and it's not like that tissue is trying to slough off and go anywhere. So you're not going to have the same pain that you had before. You've already gotten pregnant, so you're not going to have issues with infertility. You usually are not going to have issues with like bowel movements and things like that because you don't have that tissue growing. Now, mind you, if you had not gotten the endometriosis treated and you have scar tissue around your bowel or your bladder, I mean, that scar tissue is not going to go anywhere. So pregnancy will heighten constipation because the hormones of pregnancy slow down digestion, right? So progesterone slows down everything through the GI tract. So that's why you have acid reflux in pregnancy and that's why you have constipation. So if you have endometrial tissue causing inflammation around your rectum and you have scarring there, well, you're going to have more constipation. So it really depends on the degree of endometriosis that you had. Um, there's also some data that's sort of conflicting that says endometriosis can be associated with having smaller babies. And even some data that says it can be associated with preeclampsia, although that data is not consistent. And it's probably confounded. You know why? Because IVF in itself puts you at risk for having a small baby and also puts you at risk for preeclampsia. So is, is it the IVF or is it the fact that you have endometriosis? Ah, you know, we don't really know that. And so it really depends on the degree of endometriosis that you have or the severity that you have to say whether or not you're still going to have symptoms of that. But in terms of like, is it going to invade the uterus and actually affect your baby? Yeah, no, uh -uh, no, no. You have a normal pregnancy at that point. So I hope that answered your question. All right. Any other questions um, emailed? And my medical intern is shaking her head no. So thanks so much for listening to Pregnancy Pearls podcast. I hope you learned more about endometriosis today. If you like the show, go ahead and rate the episode and drop me a comment. Also, I have a new and improved website, so go check it out. You can visit PregnancyPearls.com where you can find all the podcast platforms, purchase the book, The Chronicles of Women in White Coast, Volume 3. You can even book a free lactation consult or schedule a consult to discuss your pregnancy or infertility issues right there on the website. So I hope to hear from you soon. If you or someone you know has had a pregnancy complication or unique pregnancy situation, let me know about it. Email me at pregnancypearls at gmail.com to hear your topic or case discussed on one of our podcast episodes. 
Also, remember to follow me on Instagram at Pregnancy underscore Pearls and Facebook at Pregnancy Pearls. Don't forget to also subscribe to the YouTube channel at YouTube.com forward slash Pregnancy Pearls with Dr. Plenty for more quick talks about pregnancy complications. In closing, remember to advocate for yourself. You are your biggest advocate and no one knows what's going on with your body except you. Thanks for listening. Pregnancy Pearls is hosted by Dr. Nicole Lee Plenty. Produced by Nicole Plenty and Janine Brunson Johnson. Executive producer Ken Johnson. Find Pregnancy Pearls on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and rate. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice for diagnosis or treatment of individual medical conditions. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with specific questions regarding a medical condition. Pregnancy Pearls is a mean old lion media production. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.